I want us to continue with our study on the truths about contentment. I started that last week and I want to continue. I want to refresh your mind with two scriptures about contentment, which has been where we have, I mean, extracted our truth from or our teaching from. And I want us to follow carefully as I read. It's Philippians chapter 4, I'm reading from verse 11 through 13. And this time I'm reading from the New International Version. It reads, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content, and the emphasis is on, as you remember, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You see, at times most people quote the verse 13 a lot. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But then, in context, they, they tend to forget that it is a continuous thought that the great servant of God was teaching to the entire body. And the, the general thought was that he knows how to abound and how to abase. That in whatever situation that in honoring God, in living for God, that he finds himself, he is very thankful. Why? Because he has learned or learned the secret of contentment. In this and every situation. You see, this brings this lesson to the forefront of our walk with God, that if we can, be satisfied with God fully and truly, then we need to learn this secret, this secret of contentment. And the secret of contentment is needed because there are times that we may desire some things, we may not have them, or we may have some things and in essence. But then he says, whether you have things in essence or you have things in short form, or in limited sense, you don't. It, it shouldn't change your demeanor towards God. It shouldn't change your love for God. I've seen so many people that when even they are praying and God has not done what they are asking God for, then they they start going into tantrums. God, when? God, why? God, why? Why have you forgotten me? God, why? God, why are you doing this for me? Oh God, oh, God. and they think that that is prayer. That is not prayer. That is expression of, I mean, anxiety and lack of knowledge and lack of contentment. Because if you know that you know that you know, 
that God knows everything you need. And that before even you ask, he knows it. And when you start asking, he has already provided. But just that he has time. He has a plan for everything he does. You can stay put and relax and wait on God and say, God, yes, I've asked you for this. I've not received it physically, but I'm content. Still, I love you. Still, I'll serve you in purity and sincerity. Still, I'll follow you. I will not change my demeanor. It will not change my disposition. It will not change my commitment to you. Because I know that you are a faithful God. So this is what Paul is trying to bring to our attention by the power of the Holy Spirit. That there are times that, as I started, I mean, by enumerating the truth, that there are times that, I mean, uh, uh, so many things may not go the way we want, but still, God is good. And then he goes on to say in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 8, again he says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Note it. We all want to have great gain in our lives. It means great success, great victory, great, I mean, uh, uh, elevation, great promotion. So he says, it's godliness, which contentment, that leads you to that. So if you are working with God and you have contentment, you have succeeded greatly, immensely, enormously. So that means contentment is, is vital. It's, the, it's almost like a, a wire that, that, I mean, that binds everything together in our work with God. That without contentment, everything falls apart. Because you'll be complaining, you'll be, I mean, moving ahead of God, you'll be, I mean, scheming, you'll be doing all kinds of things. I mean, that, that does not befit a child of God. Why? Because contentment is not in your life. He says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Note, he says, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we will carry nothing out of this life. He is not saying that things that we need genuinely for our existence are wrong to desire. But then he's trying to let you know that put them in perspective. Because none of the things that we acquire here on earth can in any way replace the quality of our life with God. That is why he says that if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul, your connection with God. What have you attained in life? And the Bible says nothing. You have attained nothing. So we need to put it in perspective because our, our error, the craze for physical things is, is so enormous. It's so enormous to the detriment of even living to please God. But then... God has saved us through the shed blood of the eternal covenant that we will please him. That will bring glory and honor to his holy name. So we need to strive to build in us contentment. This secret of virtue that Paul was desiring to imbibe and keep and grow in. God wants you to also emulate the steps. As Paul said, imitate me even as I imitate Christ. Because Christ was God. He left his majesty and he came down to offer himself. If he was not content within himself, he wouldn't have left his majesty to come and die for us. 
But then because he was content in himself, he knew that, I mean, uh, what is mine is mine. And I want to tell you, what is yours is yours. So don't fret. Don't worry yourself. Let the whole world witches come together. They cannot take what belongs to you from your hands. Because your name is attached to it. Do you know that what God has given to you, if somebody schemes and plot to steal it from you, or to use demonic things to hijack it, it will become a curse to them. The same thing that is a blessing to you, it will become a curse to some people. Why? Because God has not given it to them. That is why in this life, contentment is very vital. You see, the Ark of the Covenant, anytime that the Israelites would take it in those days to war, it would bring victory to them. But then one time, when the Philistines captured it and took it to their, to their gods, their gods, it became a curse. Plagues started coming on them. Why? Because it was not meant for them. It was meant for the covenant people. And this brings it out. Now fret not. Because what God has sanctioned and blessed for you. Nobody. You, in this world, in this life, please never be in competition with anyone. Because you are unique in your own right. You are special. The blood has bought you. Special and washed you. And God has constructed a path specifically for you. That is why godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. Be content with what God has given to you. Don't look at the things of other people with any envious eyes. Amen. Whatever God has not blessed it for you will, will, will not in any way elevate you. Amen. So make sure that you settle for what God has sanctioned and blessed and packaged for you because your name is attached to it and it will bring God the glory. Let me tell you, when God decides to move, if God has to create somebody special to come and just bring into manifestation what he has promised you, God will create that person. That is what you need to relax in your walk with God. Don't fret. So, we remember, David in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 1 to 7, I'm just, I mean, going to paraphrase. He wanted to build a temple. Of all he did, he, he was the one who, I mean, Jerusalem was not there. He took the place of the Jebusites. And, I mean, he bought, I mean, the floor of Arenoa. And he consecrated that to God. And that place became the place where the temple was later to be built. And then he, Jerusalem was not there. When he conquered the Jebusites, and then he named the place Jerusalem, a place of peace for God. So 
he did all these things with a view that, oh, I'm going to build a temple for God. And then he, he got all the, uh, he, he, you see, he got architects to draw the temple and everything. And all that he needed were provided. But then when he was about, God said, no, David, it's rather your son, Solomon, the one that Bathsheba gave for you. She is the one, oh sorry, he's the one that will build the temple, not you. I believe if, if David was not <laughs> a man of <laughs> contentment, he would have gone into one. No God, no God. I have bought the place for it. I have consecrated the floor for it. I have labored. I have fought battles for it. I have done all the preparation. The architects have drawn all the place. And it would have been something going into tantrums, praying and wailing, fasting and crying. But God said, he understood it and he said, God, you called me. And if you say this is for another person, I salute you. Let your honor be established. Somebody say amen. 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 And also, we, last week we read about Peter and Jesus having an interaction in John chapter 21, verse 18 to 23. And when they were having an interaction, Jesus was telling, giving a prophetic, I mean, prompting to Peter for him to know what kind of death that he will go through. And Peter came to, I mean, fully grasp what Jesus was, I mean, telling him or insinuating. And, I mean, instead of him thanking Jesus, I will thank you that at least this thing is not going to take me by surprise. At least you have revealed it to me and it's warned me and I can prepare myself for it. And true to it, he prepared himself for it. But then he turned around and then he saw John standing there and then he said, Jesus, what about this disciple? And I, I saw Jesus. Je Jesus, I mean, rebuked him. Almost retorted. At times, some behavior and some demeanor requires, I mean, rebuke. The Bible says open rebuke is better than hidden love. He turned around, Jesus saw that. This guy, why, why are you thinking about somebody else? What has that got to do with you? If I want him to live forever, is, is that your business? I am God. I determine whoever lives, whoever does what and that kind of thing. Be content with your, your destiny. So he, Jesus rebuked him. This shows for Jesus to rebuke somebody who is not being content with his life and the revelation given to him, but rather thinking of what is going to happen in the lives of others. I, I've seen this in, as a, a, I mean, leading, I mean, pastoring church for, for years. I mean, I, I've seen this, that there are some people who claim to be Christians. I tell you that if good things come to other people and we try to say it, they can't sleep. They, they, can't, they will begin to fret. What, what is your problem? Worrying yourself about a blessing that is going to somebody. What is your problem? You want to eat, somebody must also eat. You want to wear, somebody must also wear. And whatever good you want, the Bible says that if we become mature, we should desire the best for others. And then God will also desire what should come into our lives. 
If you have this heart and then you do intercession, it works like magic. Actually, it works like miracle. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Why? Because you, you, you have a heart of contentment and you want the best for other people. The Bible says, like wishing the best. Why? Because you are not envious. Yes. Amen. As we are going, a lot of things are going to happen in the lives of people. And we all need to celebrate with one another when it happens. So that is why last week I said that to be able to walk in contentment, these truths must be acknowledged. The first is that the ones that I I preached about, I'll, I'll just mention them, but I will not elaborate, is know how God has made you. Know how God has made you. If you don't know how God has created you, you will not be able and you will not be satisfied with who you are becoming. Two, know your abilities and inabilities. Or know your weaknesses and your strengths. We all, each one, everyone, once you are born of a woman, you have strengths and you have weaknesses. Everyone. And this will be with us till Jesus comes. Here on earth, no one will become perfect. That is why the Bible says that when the trumpet sounds, within a twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. If we don't change, that means there will be still an unfinished work in our lives. So you need to know your abilities and inabilities. So that you accept that, ah, this this is not my, my strength. Oh, I think this person is more suited for this. You create, like I was saying, you create avenues for others. Why? Because you, you, you know your strengths and you know the strengths of others. And you can easily point others towards where their strengths are. And you have to just work in diminishing your weaknesses so that your weaknesses will not jeopardize or will not antagonize your, I mean, your strengths. Because if you don't work on your weaknesses, you overlook them and you don't accept them. There are some people they don't even want to accept. They think that as soon as you start praying in tongues, it means that you don't have any weakness. When even you are trying to, some people see and they are trying to point that to you, that please look at this area. It can cause, they will defend it. They will find every way to defend it. They will think you hate them. They will think, no. No. At times, People who come close to you and are able to point your shortcomings and your limitations want you to rise up above them so that you can become an effective instrument in life and in the hands of God. How many great people have done so many great things and then eventually they allow one little weakness and then it jeopardizes everything. It's, it was said, I mean, it's said of Alexander the Great that when he conquered the then known world, he came to a point where he could not get any place to conquer anymore because all the world has been conquered by him. You know what? He took to drinking because he was, and then he became a drunkard and that destroyed his life. And this is a weakness which was not brought under control. That a great general, has to suffer unnecessary disgrace. Why? Because 
He did not accept his weakness and minimize. What is your weakness? I'm not preaching weakness, but it can jeopardize your strengths. Yes, you have strengths, but what is your weakness? Work on it. Diminish it. Put it down. And let your strengths rather, because your strengths reflect Christ. Your strengths bring out God's goodness. Let that grow. And let the negative parts in us go down. Three, accept how God has created others around you. God will bring different people around us. And we must cherish how they are. Not when they are walking in their weaknesses to bring destruction. If you overlook that, that can be detrimental to all of you. So what we want to do is, yes, we accept differences, but then we help others to minimize their weaknesses. Four, this I did not share with you. Come to terms with the things which are never meant to happen in your life. Please come to terms. What do I mean by this? Come to terms. There are some things in this life, no matter what you do, it will never happen in your life. Why? Because it is not God's plan to let it happen in your life. So you have to come to terms. If you come to terms that, oh, now I've sought God, I've prayed, I've checked, and I've seen that this is not for me. That is why we don't copy. Don't copy. Don't be a copycat. Why in your life you are only copying people? No. There are some things that are not supposed to happen in your life. Yes, you are loved by God. Yes, you are a special child of God. Yes, you are favored by God. But God says this is not supposed to happen in your life. Be, be content. Be thankful. And don't stress yourself. And don't, I mean, come under anxiety and panic. And I mean, and then think that God has failed you. God has disappointed you. Because of just that one thing that he has said. It will never happen in your life. So please, come to that realization. Five, accept that you will face unpleasantness and challenges in this life. It doesn't matter how spirit-filled you become, you there are times you face unpleasantness. We all don't want un, unpleasant situations, but it is integral part in our walk with God. There are times that as we pray and fast and do everything, unpleasant things will happen in our lives. It doesn't mean that the devil has taken over and that, no, 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 no. It is by the knowledge of God that at times he allows some of these things to come so that he can grow us in maturity so that he can grow us in wisdom because when God uses unpleasant situations he'll be watching at you and you see that as you go through you increase in your ability to handle problems and to walk through situations that are hurtful so many hateful things. God bless you, Papa. You are welcome, Mommy. So many hateful things will happen in our lives. So many painful things. It's all part 
of our journey in God. Some may be challenges. You try something, you fail. You try something, you fail. You try something, keep trying. Unless God tells you that this is not meant to happen in your life, keep trying. Keep trying. Try again. Don't give up. Summon strength again, energy again, go regroup, seek more knowledge, seek more insight, and tackle it again. And you see that the unseen strength and power of God will come to propel you over the challenge. Why? Because he has seen that you are displaying the right demeanor and attitude. And when we display the right demeanor and attitude in the face of unpleasantness and challenges, God progresses us. He promotes us. We become dependable in the sight of God. Please, let me emphasize this again. That there are no shortcuts in God. There are no shortcuts. God, whatever you have to go through before you get to where he wants you to reach, you can't circumvent it. You can't look for shortcuts. I train a lot of pastors and I tell, I tell, I tell ministers that don't ever strive. I, I mean, strive to start from where maybe your, your senior pastor has reached. No, be humble. Be very humble. Don't try to compete with, with your senior pastor. You, you go to so you want to, I mean, no, 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 no. He's above you. He's your senior pastor. Be humble. Slow down. Let God take you one step at a time. And then he will take you. Maybe God in his mind has planned that when he's finished with you, he'll take you further than where your senior pastor has reached. But still, you will go through the ladder. You go through the process. I've seen a lot of young men. We advise them, please, slow down, slow down. And some of them, the problems they bring upon themselves, I can't, I can't, I don't want to enumerate them because at times my heart breaks when I see some of them that I literally warn and warn and warn, but they will not listen. Advice and advice and advice. Some of you are times at the point of tears. I say, there is greatness ahead of you, but don't rush the process. Take your time. Let God do it. Please note it. There will be unpleasant and challenges. It is part. It will make you good. It will make us good. It will bring the best in us out. And it will reduce the negative tendencies in us. If it doesn't, take it out, uproot it entirely or eradicate it, it will reduce its influence. Why? Because God wants to take you in his hands. Say a blessing over you. Break you and present you to the world. The breaking process is the unpleasantness and the challenges. So at times when we say we are eating the Lord's Supper, I say he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it. And then he said, this is my body. You see, note it carefully. If Jesus had not been broken through the unpleasant situation, he could not have become the Savior. And the same thing with us, unless you are broken. The Bible says that a broken and a contrite spirit, the Lord will never reject. 
If you are not broken, God cannot offer you to the people. Someone to offer themselves to the people without brokenness. But remember, being broken precedes being offered. Because Jesus broke it before he offered it. As a sample of his body that he came to offer for you and I. What did Jesus go through? Unpleasantness, pain, insults, setbacks. Amen. Amen. But through that, he became the savior to redeem humanity. And this is the same thing that we go through in, in every level of our walk with God. When God, you give yourself to God, he receives you. He says a blessing over you. And then there'll be the breaking process before he will offer you into the fullness of what he has designed for your life. No wonder the Bible says that he has now given him a name that is above every other name. At the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord indeed. It didn't just happen. He had to give himself to go through unpleasantness before God received him and then gave him the name that is above every other name. Six. God speaks to you and I that we should note that you will not be exempted from struggles and at times failures. My emphasis is going to be on failures in your spiritual journey. In our spiritual journey, it's not at times. It will happen. You will fail in some areas. Failure is integral part of our learning process. As I, I think integral part is becoming my favorite phrase. It is. It is part of it. You fail in some areas. We learn through failure. Don't let anybody, if it happens like that, if you become content, you don't let failure, I mean, write you off because you have failed in something in your life. We are created to learn through failure. In our work with God, you will fail in some area. Let those who want to make it their subject, their continuous gossip, leave it to them. And you become content with what you are learning and allow God to mold and bring something better out of your failure to lift you up. Failure is not final. Which area have you failed? You might have failed in a business. You might have failed in various aspects of life. But I'm here to tell you that the best of God is yet to come. If only you can be content. You might have failed in marriage. You might have failed. Even that, I always tell people that maybe he's a learning curve, a better learning curve, so that you become a better person for God to be able to infuse you and fill you and make you the very person. Why? Because he's going to use you, break you, and present you so that you can be a blessing to a whole generation of people. Don't let failure intimidate you. Don't let failure break you. Maybe your health is failing in a way. Maybe you tried something and somehow there's a continuous struggle, failure in that area. Please know. Continue to mention the name of Jesus. Continue to look for new avenue and new opportunity. Failure is not. It's only an event. It's only an event. It's not your final destination. Push it back behind you and build the spirit of contentment and let God's goodness 
propel you into great gain because godliness with contentment is great gain. God bless you.